Well, hello and welcome to Insights at Adipec. We're here at the Wood Stand. It's day three of Adipec 2022. And we're here to talk about some reflections from the week and also specifically talking about uh, a roundtable that we hosted this morning with our friends at Gulf Intelligence, um, talking about the sustainable balance between energy security and energy transition. So uh, my name's Colin Ross. I'm gonna be hosting us through this episode and I'm joined by uh, two great uh, contributors here today. First of all, we've got Sean Evers from Gulf Intelligence. Sean, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. And then we've got Richard Spires here from Wood. Richard, good to see you again. Thanks very much. Um, I wonder if you could just do me a favor before we get into the detail of this. Perhaps you could just give me a quick introduction as to who you are and what you do. So Sean, can I get you to start? I'm Sean Evers, the managing partner of Gulf Intelligence, which is a, a Middle East-based strategic communications consultancy that focuses exclusively on the energy sector in the region, in the Middle East. Excellent, and you were our very capable facilitator this morning on the, on the session. Thank you, yes, I was. Richard. Yeah, Richard Spires. I'm the uh, Technology Development Director for Wood. So I look after our technology profile uh, and portfolio and uh, its development in collaboration uh, with other partners. So I'm looking at steering our technologies into uh, the energy transition and, and, and building Wood's capability in that space. Very good. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Um, I want to just start Adipec is back with a fairly significant bang, it would seem. Uh, I know we, it was up and running last year, but um, it seems like there is some significant momentum. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of people kicking around. Sean, keen to hear your, your reflections on the first three days. What's, what's, the, what's the takeaway? What's the mood in the room? What are you feeling? We've reached the, the blank stare stage of the, uh, of the, of the marathon um, three days in. You know, I think it's kind of interesting because the last time we had a hundred dollar a barrel average oil price on Brent for a year, the mood of the room was a lot more positive. That's one of the things I suppose it's the the context of the of the meeting of Adipec this year. I'm surprised that the mood in the room isn't a lot more optimistic, a lot more the celebratory in the sense that this industry you know, relies a lot on where the price goes in terms of its outlook and vibrancy. And I suppose that's one of the takeaways of the of the week, that the juxtaposition uh, to the mood in the room versus the health of the sector is quite positive. But yet, I think there is a real tension as we end this year uh, between energy security and energy transition. And we're kind of caught in the middle of it. We don't really, it's not a bit like the deer in the headlights. You don't really know what to do, how to look, because it's a little bit paralyzing, I think. So that's a weird sense, my sense anyway. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to just pull that thread a little bit and then I'm gonna come to Richard, but I guess is it, is it that sense of the responsibility that we have as this energy industry to be able to do something that both addresses the short term and in the long term, do you think that's what's causing? Well, we're, I mean, I've been a journalist in this sector for many years, a, a, a facilitator for many years. Um, I don't think we've ever been so much at the center of the story. You know, we're both, on, as they'd say in sports, you're on the back page and the front page and now also in the middle page. And and uh, and so and in many ways, for all of the wrong reasons, you know, the industry on a very macro level, 
uh, it does seem to be there's tensions between the producers, their biggest customers. There's tension between the climate challenge, which is now coming front and center with COP, uh, very much only days away, uh, which is supposedly an implementation COP, which of course puts an extra layer of expectation on the industry. It's in the region, it's in the Middle East. The next one is in the Middle East, here in the UAE. So there's so many aspects around the energy narrative in 2022 in which the industry is right at the crosshairs of expectation and obligation and strangely, but I suppose on some positive level, the beneficiary of. I mean, there's not too many sectors that are winning this year in a very sort of crass sense of definition. And the energy sector is one, while a lot of the backdrop isn't so positive. So I think all of those reasons make it a little bit of a strange moment. Interesting. Richard, keen to hear your reflections. I don't know if they align or they, they completely uh, go in a different direction. No, I think the other side of the coin. I, I, I see a lot of passion. There's a lot of energy and it's maybe it's pent up energy, uh, but there's a lot of willingness to, to, to get things moving, um, make projects happen, make get technologies onto the ground and actually get ourselves moving into the world, that energy transition space, in towards that circular economy space. Uh, Wood had a great announcement today uh, with OMV and that sits in very uh, nicely with, I think, the way a lot of people are going within this space. They want to work together. They want to, to really get this energy transition moving uh, for the benefit of all the energy industry. So, so we talked about, very briefly, COP27. It's imminent. Um, and obviously, sitting in the UAE, COP28 is not so very far away. I like your reference to the implementation COP. Give me a bit of a reflection on 26, 27, 28. And what does that mean for the energy sector? And, 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 and has there been a shift in terms of the the radar of where the where the energy sector sits in that storyline? Sean, any? Well, I think the I mean, if you take the analogy of the pendulum, uh, the pendulum uh, uh, coming out of COP26, of course, which is in your home territory, if you like, Glasgow, was very COP, very transition pendulum swing. I mean, the the lot of the energy sector industry wasn't even permitted in Glasgow, I don't know about into the the area of the of the COP buildings, but ultimately it seemed we came out of that and the, the pendulum had swung decisively towards an accelerated sense of transition, which of course was already in the narrative, but it was very much. And in the second half of the 12 months since, obviously with the crisis in Ukraine, uh, the pendulum has swung very much towards energy security. Uh, uh, for all of the obvious reasons. And and perhaps I would say that was pendulum in both cases may have been swinging and would already would have happened over a slower, longer period of time because we already had the deficit of investment, CapEx investment over the last decade. And so that pendulum was going to swing energy securities way anyway, but it swung dramatically and much quicker because of the backdrop of the of the challenge uh, with Russia uh, in Europe and, and elsewhere. So perhaps as we move through COP27 into 28, 
there'll be some kind of stabilization in that pendulum. The dramatic extreme swings will find some kind of a centering because uh, it, 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 the A, we're coming to a very significant oil and gas producing country in the context of the UAE. And ultimately, this outlook for the energy transition and energy security has to find a coexistence and a complement. And perhaps in the UAE, that's a very good place for it to find a balance because they have found balance. I mean, we've got nuclear here, we've got hydrocarbons, we've got wind, we've got solar. We've, they have been on that track for decade or more. So I think I'm quite optimistic that that pendulum piece will find, hopefully the geopolitical backdrop will find stability as well. But so that's kind of my sense of that threesome, that it will be a bit more balanced going into 2023. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that if there's a region that's kind of leading the way, uh, you know, there was there was a reflection on on not wanting progress to be halted in the opening ceremony on Monday. You know, we, we have to find a way to move forward. Um, and if there's a region that can do that, it seems like when you look at the the credentials on CCUS, on hydrogen, on the, the, all the other things you've been mentioning, that energy sector as a totality, I think there's a there's a, a great opportunity here to to see that come to realization in a very real way and in a material way where perhaps some other regions may well be dancing around the edges a little bit. Well, I think the other interesting part, and sorry to, it's to no worries. I just is the other sort of takeaway this week, um, and perhaps it's not it's crystallized this week a little bit in the context of what we're talking about, but has been migrating, is the, the surge to the front of the class of the national energy company as the leader in the industry, where we've existed for, I don't know, take your calendar, 50, 60 years, whatever, let's say, since the, the creation of OPEC in the early 1960s, maybe. but. As, as the nationalization of the energy sector, the, the region reclaimed its its ownership of the resources. But ultimately, with the with the public listing of Aramco, the privatization of a number of adducts, assets, distribution, drilling, and so forth, uh, and the future outlook for new supply capacity being anchored in this region, as 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 other regions get sort of dis disrupted by the transition requirements. All in all, it feels that the national energy sector is coming very much to lead the industry. Uh, and I feel that's another sort of takeaway at Adipec this week, yeah. a kind of a crystallization of that. Yeah, very, very helpful. The, this, this balance, you know, we're, we're back at the topic, balancing energy transition and security. There was a sense today as we had breakfast and our round table and we'll, uh, We'll not go into the detail because of the nature of the discussion, but but there was a sense of that kind of Nike philosophy of just do it, let's get it done, and, and let's do it at pace. Richard, any reflections on 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 that, and and you know, is it achievable? What does it look like? So I'm just going to pick up on the old pendulum analogy as yeah. well. And COP26 was a year ago. It's supposed to be every two years. We got knocked out of sequence yeah. by. Oh, right. what's happened over the past couple of years. And we've got COP27 coming up. Um, only a year between COPs. There's a, a, a view where a lot of commitments made at COP26, 20, and here we are a year later. Have we actually made any progress? Well, 
yes, I think we have. I think there is that energy and commitment to keep pushing. And we spoke this morning a lot about um, how do we actually make things happen? How do we just get on and do it? And we can just get on and do it, but we do need to start looking at some of the capabilities that we've got, bringing partners together, bringing collaborations together. And, and those who can do need to get on and do. They don't need to wait. And, and, and there are a huge amount of organizations here at Adipec who are willing to move forward and are willing to take the lead. And, and we need to support them as would to and, and other parties to actually get on and, and, and make those projects happen. Because capital isn't a problem. Uh, money is out there. There's a willingness. There's a demand within society for these things to happen. Uh, and so uh, fortune's going to favor the brave on this one. First movers are going to be able to take the opportunities. And there's huge also in the region. We were talking a little bit uh, today, uh, this morning, also about the appetite for risk, for that leap to mm. just do it. But the leap forward to, to try and reconnect with the, the, the sort of pioneering and mm. risk taking the industry had in the decades past, the sense of, you know, going to the moon, so to speak, in right. terms of the phenomenal things that the industry has done and can do and reclaiming that a little bit. And I think they've done that here in the region and certainly in Saudi Arabia at the moment. Every announcement is a shot to the moon, a mm. visionary is transformative. It's not just evolutionary, it is revolutionary uh, in such a big way. And each of those uh, projects, whether it be the phenomenal Neom, the Line, and they're just the headlines. There's thousands of other projects below them, and obviously within the energy sector specifically. But they are so uh, transformative that out of them and within them can come some really uh, new ideas, new technologies, case studies, uh, pilots that have scalable opportunity. And I think the same is here as well in the UAE and Abu Dhabi. They're doing some major leaps forward. Uh, and it is very much the do generation. The do generation has taken over Abu Dhabi and Saudi and to a certain extent other regions, Qatar certainly as well. A young millennial leadership that is no is not on the I on the on the sort of selection list. It's very much do it and do it yesterday. And mm -hmm. that will have errors in it, of course, but it'll have, I think, some big leaps forward. Yeah. And we, we need to be able to to fail fast with some of these technology decisions we're going to make and some of these projects that we're going to be able to implement. Um, but this young millennial can do attitude um, that has taken large decisions and, and, and made projects happen, complex projects in other sectors, we need to take that capability and that, that uh, ability to learn, ability to make fast decisions and apply it into uh, this energy transition space. I'm interested by this millennial uh, generation storyline because I think, and I may be wrong, but if you were to transport that several thousand miles back to Europe, you would find a millennial generation with a very different perspective on this. Maybe reflecting COP26 location versus 27, certainly 28 location. The challenge I think that I'd like to kind of hear from you is, is it the case that we need to do something better around our narrative and our brand as an energy sector, certainly in Europe, potentially in North America, 
to prove that this is a this is something that you want that generation to come and get involved in. You want the, the, the emerging generations to come and get involved in because they can make a difference to some of the most critical challenges in the world. Sean, you've got a heritage and a, and a, and a foot in both camps to some extent. What, what, what's your thought? I think on a narrative level, as an industry, personally, I think we have to get away from blame government, blame policymakers for that. that even if it's true, Sure. Uh, I think as a narrative, it's it's not helpful, uh, uh, especially when you're earning such huge revenues. Um, but I, I think from the point of view of what uh, that the piece of rediscovering, you know, we've talked a lot and we talked about it this morning, partnerships. We've got to find again this along the lines of what we were talking earlier about uh, uh, leaps forward, innovation. Uh, the sense of transformative technologies, risk-taking. We have to find that narrative in the context of, of the sort of developed, you know, say, Western economies, Europe, America, uh, Japan. I mean, uh, where Silicon Valley, you know, we are hosting in those economies, and I'm sure in Scotland and in Britain, in uh, startups in all different walks of life, fintech and who knows what. We need to find a way to partner into that space. If we can't create that ecosystem ourselves, we have to find a way to partner with it, like we realize that partnerships are so critical for the industry to achieve its net zero targets, for it to be a part of the solution. We have to get those partnerships that resonate with the millennials and the new generation who are capturing a lot of that talent and we have to leverage that talent. What are we doing with Google? What are we doing with Amazon? Uh, you know, I saw Amazon actually, cloud computing advertised all over Adipec this week. We've got to find and get into those partnerships and with our innovation and skill set and project management skills, with their quick fail or fail fast, fail fast. Uh, uh, strategies, I think there's really a synergy there that needs real exploring. Mm. It's, um, it's a good conversation, guys. I feel like we could be here for several hours. Uh, in, in the interest of our online listeners, I'm not gonna do that. But I am keen to, to hear your, your sort of final takeaway. Are, are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Are you somewhere in the middle? As we, as we walk this balance, as we, as we have a secure, affordable, sustainable energy future, can we do it? Do you feel energized? What does it look like? Maybe I'll start with you, Richard. Energy is not a yesterday industry. It's a future industry. And we can we can set that narrative and take that passion from people who want to see the energy industry be cleaner, greener, making more industry more energy cleaner. Sounds good. Sean? I would say, you know, we're in a very, very large exhibition hall here, which the probably a thousand few thousand companies i don't know but there's certainly 40 to 50,000 people migrating through here each day uh there is so much discussion and reflection on our role in the transition our role our responsibility our 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 purpose in 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 being effective agents of change positive agents of change i would bet you a top dollar that there isn't 
an exhibition on any other industry, whether it be tourism or healthcare or whatever other sector uh, are beating every somewhere in the world on this scale are, are reflecting and are thinking as, as much as we are about how to make the transition work, how to anchor it into society, how we can anchor it ourselves as this interview. If you captured every conversation in this hall and somehow got it into some algorithm bottle, I think the world outside would be shocked at the extent in which we're trying to tackle this problem. Maybe doing a, a disjointed, but there's the, the scale of the engagement in this conversation is just phenomenal. Uh, and, and surely out of that amount of brainstorming with the amount of brains uh, in this space, it's got to have positive outcome. It's got to arrive at the destination that everybody outside these halls wants. And of course we want as well. So uh, you'd have to think that's the outcome. It feels like a moonshot conversation, but with a realism and a practicality that that may just make it happen. So thank you very much. This feels like a great way to, to end uh, our conversation. Really appreciate your time. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank, thank you. Colin. Thanks so much. Thank you.